Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. I have seen critical spirits destroy people. I have seen it destroy churches. As God is my witness, I have seen someone with a critical spirit destroy a family, destroy a pastor, destroy the kids. They want nothing to do with God. They want nothing. This is how Christians treat Christians and talk about Christians. The world doesn't even do that. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Job. A critical spirit has no place in the church. It is yours and every other believer's job to build each other up. There will be times God will bring up issues that need to be confronted. But as Pastor J.D. explains in today's message, your focus should not be on the negative or on looking for weaknesses to exploit others. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Job chapter 34 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Job is wicked, and God has struck him publicly, openly, in the sight for of all to see. So, verse 27, because they turned back from him, In other words, Job has turned back from God and would not consider any of his ways. Just put Job's name in here, because that's what he's doing here. Job has turned his back from him. Job would not consider any of his ways. So, verse 28, that they cause the cry of the poor to come to him, for he hears the cry of the afflicted. When he gives quietness, who then can make trouble? And when he hides his face, who then can see him? Whether it is against a nation or a man alone, that the hypocrite should not reign, lest the people be ensnared. In other words, Job's a hypocrite. Verse 31, for has anyone said to God, I have borne chastening, I will offend no more. Teach me what I do not see. If I have done iniquity, I will do no more. Should he repay it according to your terms just because you disavow it? You must choose and not I. Therefore, speak what you know. (laughs) You want me to speak what I know? I don't think you're going to let me. Verse 34. Men of understanding say to me, wise men who listen to me, Job speaks without knowledge. His words are without wisdom. Wow. You got to understand that certainly in that culture, in that day, it's in that culture today, I can assure you of that. A young man would never speak thus concerning an elder. To, To say this elder speaks without Knowledge, his words are without wisdom. This is quite an accusation. This is quite an allegation. And verse 36, he goes on. Oh, that Job were tried to the utmost. 
Oh, really? Because his answers are like those of wicked men. For he adds, oh my goodness, rebellion to his sin. And he claps his hands among us and multiplies his words against God. This was uh, what they would do in that day. This isn't an applause like you approve. No, if you didn't agree when somebody was speaking, you would clap like this. That, sorry, <laughs> that was your, that was you uh, indicating and communicating you do not agree with what they're saying. What he's saying here is when these three so-called friends were speaking, Job was clapping. Disagree, 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 disagree. I wonder if he was doing that when Elihu was speaking. I assure you he was. Because he says he claps his hands among us. In other words, he's clapping his hands while, while I'm speaking right now. In fact, he probably was clapping his hands right when he said that. Look, he's clapping his hands again against us in disagreement with us. And oh, in so doing, he's multiplying his words against God. Not just against us, it's against God. You just want to take this little whippersnapper and teach him a thing or two. <laughs> wow. You know, whenever I, I mean, I'm asking myself this question. I'm going to present this question uh, now. Why do we have a chapter like this in the Bible? Right. We know that every word in God's word is there for a reason. There's a purpose. It's for our instruction, our edification, our rebuke. It, 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 there's always a reason for every word in God's word. And even this gnarly chapter with this ugly, you'll forgive me, this ugly, full of himself young man who's going to teach Job a thing or two and accuse Job of a thing or two. So the question is this, why do we have a chapter like this in our Bibles? I believe one of the reasons is that it speaks to an important issue. This issue of misrepresenting and mischaracterizing what someone says for the purpose of demonizing them, antagonizing them, and criticizing them. And I'll add accusing them. Job didn't say what this guy says he said. He's really putting words in his mouth. He's accusing Job. He's mischaracterizing Job. He's misquoting Job. Job didn't say what he says he said. So he's building this, this case that is false. And he's doing it because he wants to demonize. And he thinks, by the way, this is what makes it so insidious, again, for lack of a better word, he actually thinks that he's, def he's coming to God's defense. He's, he's defending God's justice and character. This guy has what uh, is known as a critical spirit. This is the kind of guy 
that will find a criticism in everything and everyone every time. That's the way guys like this are wired. And this is the, dare I say, <laughs> the ugly reality that is alive and well today. A thousand times a day when it comes to those who have a critical, they will find fault in everything and in everyone and every time. You can count on it. You can take it to the bank. They will be so critical and they will always criticize others. How critical is he being of Job here? And none of it is based on facts. It is untrue and it is wrong. I love what Oswald Chambers said in Baffled to Fight Better, his commentary in the book of Job, of Elihu's mischaracterizing and criticizing of Job. He writes, this kind of view presents a conception not really based on facts, but which easily melts down any opposition by its sentimental presentation. Now, of course, this is written, you know, generations ago, at least one generation ago. So it's uh, written in maybe a way we wouldn't, you know, say, say it today. So let me just kind of paraphrase it. Maybe I can do it this way. So uh, you're talking with somebody, you're having a conversation, all of a sudden they start criticizing somebody else behind their back. Let's be honest. Uh, will you ever be able to look at them the same way again because of that criticism that you were on the receiving end of concerning that person? And that's what he's saying. It melts down any opposition when you're on the receiving end of a criticism from somebody who has a critical spirit. And, and by the way, why is it that those who are of this ilk and have this critical spirit, which let me hasten to say should never be in a church in the body of Christ. I have seen critical spirits destroy people. I have seen it destroy churches. As God is my witness, I have seen someone with a critical spirit destroy a family, destroy a pastor, destroy the kids. They want nothing to do with God. They want nothing. This is how Christians treat Christians and talk about Christians. The world doesn't even do that. If you know this whole, ugh, I'm kind of going there, but Indulge me. This whole social media age in which we live. Are you kidding me? Well, but God. <laughs> I'm going to try to pull this out of the puka that it's uh, in right now. But, but God. But God will have the final word and he will hear. He will hear. Would to God that we would never be numbered amongst those of whom it could be said they are always criticizing. They're criticizing the church for this. They're criticizing the pastor for that. They're criticizing that brother for this. They're criticizing that sister for this. I'm going to take it a step further and bear with me. 
It's satanic. It's satanic. You know where criticism was invented? Lucifer. Think about it. It's demonic. It's demonic. When someone criticizes, they, please don't misunderstand me. There's nothing wrong with having critical judgment. But I'm talking about criticizing people. When you're so critical and you have this critical spirit, you are actually an agent of the devil himself. And it is always, 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 without question, without exception, destructive. It will destroy. The tongue has the power of life and death. You can assassinate somebody's character with this ugly tongue. And I speak of myself. Oh God. Oh God, guard my lips that I would never utter an unfair criticism of another. You can destroy them. You can destroy their reputation just with one single sentence because of your critical spirit. Well, Thank you for indulging me. I feel a lot better now. I kind of feel like Ella. I need to get this. <laughs> Otherwise, the wineskin was going to burst. Well, okay. Chapter 35, verse 1. Moreover, <laughs> Elihu answered and said. Who's he answering? I think he's answering himself. Nobody's asked anything, God forbid. Verse 2. Do you think this is right? Do you say, my righteousness is more than God's? For you say, what advantage will it be to you? What profit shall I have more than if I had sinned? I will answer you and your companions with you. Look to the heavens and see. And behold the clouds. They are higher than you. If you sin, what do you accomplish against him? Or if your transgressions are multiplied, what do you do to him? If you are righteous, verse 17, what do you give him? Or what does he receive from your hand? Your wickedness affects a man such as you, and your righteousness a son of man. Because of the multitude of oppressions, they cry out. They cry out for help because of the arm of the mighty. But no one says, where is God my maker? Who gives songs in the night? Who teaches us more than the beasts of the earth and makes us wiser than the birds of heaven? There, verse 12, they cry out, but he does not answer because of, you ready for this? <laughs> Wait for it. The pride of evil men. Surely God will not listen to empty talk, nor will the Almighty regard it. Although you say you do not see him, yet justice is before him, and you must wait for him. And now, verse 15, because he has not punished in his anger, nor taken much notice of folly, therefore Job opens his mouth in vain. He multiplies words without knowledge. He's still putting words in Job's mouth, right? And he's still misrepresenting what Job had said, but he actually 
crosses a line here. He goes as far as to suggest that were Job to open his mouth, he would do so in vain. You know what he's saying there? That even if Job were to repent, it would be in vain because God's not even going to accept him. He's so wicked. How's that one? Um, here's the thing. I would suggest that in as many words, he has painted himself into a corner from which he will never escape. And as such, he has actually condemned himself by his own words. You know, we're going to be held to an account for every word that we have spoken. Let that sink in. <laughs> that makes the hair, what used to be there anywhere, on the back of my neck stand on end when I think about that. Every word that we have ever spoken, we will give an account for. This is what uh, Proverbs ten nineteen says. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. And certainly Elihu has had a multitude of words. And he has sinned in speaking those multitude of words. The Proverbs then says, but he who restrains his lips is wise. You know the other proverb that says, someone is thought to be wise when they don't say anything. And this is a loose paraphrase, but they remove all doubt <laughs> when, they, when they finally open their mouth and speak and reveal the fool that they truly are. But I mean, truly, you know, think about that. You're sitting in a room and, and somebody's sitting there, you know, just kind of listening and doesn't say anything. You go, wow, they're so wide. You know? And then they speak and you go, never mind. <laughs> Not so much. With many words, sin is unavoidable. I think about what Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 2, and we'll bring it to an end with this. I kind of want to end on this note. He says, do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So... Let your words be few. I need to take heed to this one. I need many words, more of a propensity for there to be a transgression. The more you say, the more possibilities there are to say something wrong. And with many words, sin is unavoidable. But the one who restrains, the one who holds his tongue. And the one whose words are few is wise. You know, I've never regretted something I didn't say. Right? Conversely, oh my goodness, how many times have I regretted something I did say? Something I wish I would have never said when those words came vomiting out of my big, ugly mouth. Oh, that I would have restrained and let my words be few. 
And, you know, one, one last thought. You know how it is when you're in a kind of a heated discussion? That's another, that's a pastoral way for saying when you're in an argument. Heated discussion. We'll just call it a heated discussion. Okay. And after it's over, you think of all the things you could have said. Oh, I wish I would have said this. Right? Oh, I, would, I wish I had thought about that. Oh, really? Well, sometimes when you're in the heat of the moment, you say things that you shouldn't say. You know that saying? Some things are better left unsaid. We got five chapters of this guy saying things that would have been better left unsaid. And I assure you that when it's all said and done, said and done, he's going to regret every single word that he spoke. Oh, I, were he able, he would have certainly taken back every single thing he said because he couldn't be more wrong than he is. These things that he's saying about Job, they, he couldn't be more wrong. In fact, I'm going to take it a step further. And this is to be the last, lastly, last thing I say. The things that he's critical of Job concerning, the, the things that he's accusing Job of, I would submit he himself is guilty of those very things. Wouldn't you agree? Isn't it true that when we attack people, we usually attack them for the same reasons that we ourselves or falsely accuse people of, for that which we ourselves are guilty of. He, he owns everything that he's accusing Job of. Being full of pride, are you kidding me? He, he, he's calling Job proud? <laughs> uh, listen, I, if there was any pride in Job, it's certainly not there now. Are you kidding me? He's accusing Job. You know how we, okay, well, this would be the last, last, last thing. But you know how we, we, we say, me, what about you? Or how about this one? Takes one to no one. Oh, you're so full of pride. How do you know? How do you know what pride looks like? How, how can you spot that speck of pride in your brother's eye? Oh, because you have the log from where that speck came from. How do you know what pride looks like? Because you got the log of pride in your own eye. That's why. How do you know what pride smells like? Because you stink of pride yourself. That's why. We're so glad you tuned in to Pastor J.D.'s teaching in the book of Job. There's much more to learn, but sadly, that's all the time we have for on today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. In the meantime, you can find more messages from Pastor J.D. by visiting our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com. Subscribe to our podcast while you're there and receive new messages as soon as they're made available. Did you know you can take In Spirit and Truth on the go by downloading our mobile app? In our fast-paced world, it's easy to let the time we'd spend in the Bible slip into the back of the line of things to get done in a day. When you download our mobile app, however, you'll have verse-by-verse studies in the Bible available right at your fingertips, ready to listen to whenever and wherever you go. You'll find a link to the app at inspiritandtruthradio.com. 
Keep up to date with the Midi's Prophecy Updates with our mobile app as well. Each Friday and Saturday, Pastor J.D. shares current world events and how they relate to the end-time prophecies found in the Bible. The information provided is intended to stir in us an urgency to share the good news of Jesus before He returns to judge the world. There's so much to learn each week, and Pastor J.D. does a great job of getting us the information we need. Find out more on our YouTube channel at InSpiritInTruthRadio.com. Thanks for joining us today, and be sure to tune in next time to keep studying through Job on In Spirit and Truth. Keeping me right with the old wind.